1: you this fine evening? I am not
0: too bad. I'm really excited to deliver another episode of Docs That Rock.
1: You are. I mean, I'm probably maybe a hundred times more excited, as you can see.
0: And audibly here. <laughs> There's a whiff of exhaustion off you.
1: Little bit. No, shake off the day. It's That's all it. good.
0: The big book of calm, not the little book of calm. Isn't that what they say?
1: Is that what they say?
0: That's what Patrick O'Malley says. Patrick O'Malley is here with us today. He is driving the desk. How are you, Patrick? I'm very good. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Of
1: course. Thank you for doing all the sound techie things that we can't do.
0: You're most welcome. Yeah. He's fair sound, Patrick.
1: That's what I hear.
0: Yeah. Mm, (laughs) Never gets old. I know. We see this all the time. (laughs) I think it's like a stable, in Staple. Is it staple or stable?
1: Mm, Well, it's both, depending on how you use it. It's a feature. It's a staple. In our lives or just in the desk?
0: No, in in the episodes of uh, the podcast that yes. we say that the sound person is sound.
1: A recurring phrase, perhaps. Yeah, like a
0: like a catchphrase or something. Something.
1: You should get a few t-shirts. Well, Who's I'd the t- head of merch? Oh, Mar- you know what, Shreed, you're fired if you don't organise. Uh, you you're
0: the, the head of merch, I think. Because,
1: seriously, how long has it been? <laughs> it's been too long. I haven't seen any samples since I last requested There is them. a tote. <laughs> <laughs> There are two toasts. I had great intentions today. Oh, no. Of dressing for the Oscars from the waist up. Just wearing jeans, but then looking fine.
0: Did you have uh, a TV pretend you're from Hollywood thing? No, I did that
1: on Oscars night. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I, um, yeah, in New York, I used to watch them. We used to go to different, but not go to anywhere too fancy. So we'd go to a bar, Mm. which would have, you know, um, a champagne toast um, ongoing. Bottomless prosecco, but uh, they people used to dress sort of just in jeans and snow boots because it would generally be cold. Um, but then wear sort of Oscar finery from from the waist jewels up. and yeah. Oh my god, that I sounds know. so elegant and still comfy, lovely. Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm, I tried that now. That would be interesting in walking into work tomorrow now with the the full <laughs> makeup and the earrings and the hair in an updo.
1: It, they wouldn't be uh, expecting that of you. No, th- I think that
0: uh, they'd probably think I had an interview or something. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> or a court appearance.
1: <laughs> but it's interesting
0: that you should bring up the Oscars because I have some very interesting Oscar news. Oh,
1: yes, I'm now paying attention.
0: A lady that comes from Bananaslo, which is my hometown in County Galway, will be the composer mm-hmm. at the Oscar and she will be the first female composer to um, compose. You know when they do all the the best scores she's going to do all of that. Her name is Emer
1: Noon. Yes I heard about this.
0: And she's currently tweeting like mad because she's it's an amazing her trailer account is, is class and it's like Designer has created an outfit for her, but she is building suspense. She has like, oh, we've arrived in Dublin Airport. And um, she basically has, you know, the suit cover. So you can't see the outfit. So you've got some guy running through Dublin Airport holding up the suit cover for her. But oh, still can't nice. See the outfit.
1: I like that content.
0: And the dress is in the uh, cockpit while she's traveling Aww. on her way over. And it's like amazing. This Aww. dress has got privileges. And it's not
1: even in the Oscars yet. <laughs> but you know what I really like about that as well is that she's celebrating it. She's yeah. not sort of going, oh, yeah, whatever, I'm composing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I heard the Flurry, the Variety were the first to break the story. Yeah. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. And um, yeah, yeah, it was very exciting.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited for her. I love this woman to bits. I've and they known generally, her for a long time. They,
1: they generally do go down into the pit and they, they get a bit of screen time.
0: Oh, yeah. And she deserves it. You know, she's amazing. Her previous work, she worked on Zelda. She does a lot of kind of game music. She actually works on a radio station in Ireland.
1: Oh, Mm.
0: but she is phenomenal. And I've met her and her family and I'm just so excited for her. Like it's she's well deserving of this honor. So it will be so lovely to watch the Oscars and again, see someone that, you
1: know, like. That's always good. Yeah, indeed. So any other news? Um, oh, mm, it's half news because I can't actually tell you who it was, but I worked on a photo shoot the other evening in Dublin with an actor. Is it a friend
0: of the podcast? No. And is this actor fine? Yes. There are many fine actors out there. Did you enjoy yourself?
1: (laughs) It was a lovely shoot. Oh,
0: very Mm -hmm, good. Mm hmm. Uh, More to be revealed. Did you engage in conversation?
1: Yes. Ooh. There are only five of us in the room.
0: Oh, how nice is that.
1: Mm-hmm. And, pretty and special. It was tasteful. Very tasteful. Good. Clothes on? Mostly. <gasps> <laughs> and that was just me. Oh yes, okay. Yeah.
0: This is right So intriguing. I can I can tell
1: you more later. But not today. Not for today.
0: Oh, brilliant. We have to stop oogling these, oogling, ogling, ogling these,
1: I didn't say anything about oogling.
0: Og- I did, what? No, okay. I
1: was working as a professional on a shoot. Uh, of course you were. Yes, I was, very professionally. Mm. Yeah. And then I went to the rugby the day before.
0: Oh, tell because our Because you listeners.
1: know how sporty I am.
0: Yes. I mean, obviously, we've discussed this before. If any of us is going to die running for a bus, it'll probably be you. you
1: yeah, well, I'm a bit of a pro athlete, Patrick, so I'm <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny. He's just met me. Yeah, no, yeah, he it's already clear knows. that I work out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so I went to the rugby game. Mm hmm. And I had a rugby T-shirt on, so I looked like I knew what I was talking. Oh, what you were doing? Yes.
0: And did you shout offside periodically throughout the game?
1: No, I was afraid to give myself away, oh, no, so that's, I didn't want to use the lingo because then you let yourself down. If no, you no, go, that's all. Own goal or something. <laughs> then Touchdown. Then, <laughs> Touchdown <yeah. laughs> no, what you
0: do for the rugby is you just shout offside periodically, and then they're like,
1: "Oh, ref." offside and then they're like oh oh I could have done the oh ref part you'll know for the next time I should have called you yes for tips
0: and then held out the phone and I would have went
1: offside hit him in the kidneys damn it <laughs> opportunity missed
0: I know next hmm. time but we won yay pretty sure yeah it was Ireland v Scotland in the six nations wasn't it yes yeah they're fine rugby they players. They all
1: work out, I yes, say.
0: They do, yeah. That's why when you buy men's sizes, they're so big. It's because of them oh. Irish rugby boys. Yeah. Well, and
1: the Scottish guys were pretty yeah. worked out also.
0: Indeed. Yes, yeah, they're flat out drinking the TK. What's that stuff called? The Tango Iron Brew. Iron Brew. Iron Brew. Mm. Hmm. I knew that.
1: It's like angel dust in a can. Oh, let me write that down. <laughs> Well, you probably know about it since how you're a pro athlete. Well, I mean, it's you know, I'm more of a, a pro or a level than mm, that. Yeah, okay. That's that's the I'm sure pro <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Even be a pro athlete, I mean, that's anyone can. Yeah, it's a do. spectator it's a sport. <laughs> I'm <athlete. a> professional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's more important. <laughs> so, what did you do? Did you watch the rugby?
0: Well, I I did watch the rugby. Um, I like the Six Nations because I do appreciate some fine rugby players. <laughs> um, but I also watched the women's rugby, which was very good.
1: Ah.
0: And, uh, so that was good. Like, And I Is liked that The on Six Nations. D- the same day? No, it was on the following day. Oh, okay. And uh, I, I like to kind of follow it because it's very interesting to see where we are in the world.
1: Hmm. You
0: know, so uh, um, yeah, no, I would have been reared by rugby people. Oh, that's it now. That's it. Hmm. But the most exciting thing, I suppose, that happened to me in the last while is that I got news from Toronto <gasps> where the composer of our theme tune, Conor Brennan, is currently <clears throat> residing. Oh, good place to be. Conor Brennan is bringing out an EP and he has a couple of tracks that he's kind of sneak released on Facebook. Hmm. And Patrick, I believe you've heard them. Yeah, they're great tracks. He's absolutely yeah. phenomenal. As you already know, because you've heard our team tune, you know. Yeah. So keep an eye out for Connor Brennan. Uh, he's going under the name The Architect. So uh, very exciting, exciting right, times. Yeah. And there'll be more details on our Facebook page as well. Excellent. Mm, very exciting. <laughs> Do you know, I was in Tesco this morning. Before I went into work. And someone, no. someone <laughs> threw a jar of mayonnaise at me.
1: I said... What the hell, man? Have you been saving that up all day? Yes. Yes. I, I wrote it down, back. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it down. <laughs> Someone told me that it would today. Oh,
0: God. And my reaction was the same as yours when I told them I'd been hit in the face with the car <laughs> they said like I've been hit by a jar of mayonnaise and I'm in fits laughing. I was like, Well <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, it's
1: gas. Oh, no. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> Hello! My name is Jacob. And I'm his co host, five
0: year old Olivia.
1: Do you have kids?
0: And are your kids curious?
1: If you answered yes, you should check out Curious Kid Podcast, a weekly educational podcast for curious kids and grown-ups. Every week we learn about another topic. We've already learned about spider webs,
0: batteries, the moon, and so much more.
1: You can find us at curiouskidpodcast.buzzsprout.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Sure, what we were doing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So what we're gonna do in this episode and the next episode is we're gonna review two of the Oscar nominated documentaries. This week we're gonna look at American Factory and then next week we're gonna look at The Edge of Democracy. And what we might do then afterwards is have a look at some of the other nominations. But we would recommend that if you are a fan of documentary, you do look at all five. And the five are American Factory, The Edge of Democracy. For Sama, Honeyland, and the last one is The Cave. And when you have seen all of them, you'll find that they're very similar. They're not all the same. It's just that they tend to touch on kind of similar themes. There's kind of little pockets where they're, they're the same. So we felt that maybe by doing American Factory, we might tie in, I might tie in another one that I think is kind of along the same lines, or at least a very interesting watch to watch them side by side.
1: OK. And I am grossly unprepared because I haven't seen Forsama or The Cave or Honeyland. That's all right. Mm -hmm. But I'm savouring them.
0: Yeah. We'll probably do an episode at one stage. Um,
1: We'll see who wins. Yeah, see who wins. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I have an idea of who might win. But sure, look, we'll see. Mm-hmm. I'll give my prediction at the end of this episode.
1: Well, if I had to pick between American Factory and Edge of Democracy, it would be American Factory. Really? Mm hmm.
0: Well, it's good that we're doing this now. So,
1: yeah, especially with the whole state of the United States and relations and coronavirus and some new news on Steve Bannon as well, which we'll talk about later. how oh, very mm. interesting is that.
0: Steve Bannon, of course. The uh, subject of The Brink, which yes. I was very surprised didn't get a nomination. Me too. And The Great Hack, which I also thought might get a nomination. But the stiff competition. Mm-hmm. Really stiff competition.
1: Yeah, no, I did. I really liked American Factory. Did you? Yeah, I did. I just thought the story was told quite well. I liked the style. Is it Levalier microphones they used? They used a very special microphone that for the fly on the wall effect. So that they weren't um, in your face and people forgot they were there. Wow. So that's how they got kind of so many inner monologues from workers. Yeah. And so many honest pieces of information. Yeah. Because it is quite probing without appearing to be probing. It's
0: really interesting how they managed to make it so funny but
1: serious. And got so much information. There's a lot of information in it where the workers are being extremely honest Yeah, And I wondered as I watched it how they got away with that Mm -hmm. because they're so afraid of losing their jobs. Why would they be so honest? So apparently this was one of their secrets. But also the Chinese managers who would have said some very controversial things
0: in our culture. But when you look at the way that the two of them are kind of pitted against each other, what I found is that there were some, frankly, offensive comments that were made, but you didn't feel that bad about the person who was saying them because what they managed to do in this documentary is make you see these people not as workers, not as managers, but as human beings. And that, I think, is the key to this.
1: I actually agree, obviously, because you're interested in the human side. But I actually was fascinated by the differences from the workers, purely workers perspective. Like the labour politics part of it. Yes. I mean, if you haven't seen it, um, it's set in between Dayton, Ohio and uh, China for the Fu Yao. I guess is how you pronounce it, the Fuyao um, Corporation that, that took over a GM company. So it's basically an automotive glass manufacturing company. Um, the workers there had been laid off for, I think, close to nine years before the Chinese company come came in and, and took over. There was 2,400 jobs that were lost when it closed in 2008, which had a
0: huge, significant impact on Dayton, Ohio. And then the Chinese company came in and reopened it in 2014 with subsidies of six million from local Ohio taxpayers. And you see, the first thing you see is the recruitment process and how they are advertising. And immediately it's mentioned that it's a non-union shop, that we know it's not a a union thing at all.
1: But it, it goes way beyond that. So it's not just that they're not getting union rates, they bring them right down to close to very close to a minimum wage, so the same person who is getting 29 euro an hour is then rehired because they have no other choice at 12 euro or sorry 12 dollars an hour. So the uh, to give it some perspective, when they lost their jobs, the only other jobs available were at a payless shoe outlet, a Kohl's uh, store for you know fashion. And a fast food series of outlets. So they are all offering $9 an hour. Wow. So they all went from, and 29 was not the smallest wage there, but 29 was, I think, one of the average wages. And basically they lost their job completely. So their choices were social welfare or $9 an hour. Wow. So a lot of them lost their houses.
0: Yeah, there's one worker, Jill, who I found very, her story is very compelling. She talks about the struggle of trying to get back into middle class. She's living in her sister's basement. The only furniture she owns are like her TV and two side lockers. And she doesn't even own the bed that she's sleeping in.
1: No, it's such a drastic change. I was thinking, you know, why would they just take back their own jobs? But they had no other choice. The, the, The alternative was way worse. Yeah. Um, So they're kind of, I think, a little bit grateful at first to even have a job back. So because of that, they kind of agree to this non-union policy and these new terms of employment. And then they are working alongside the Chinese workers who are coming over, some of them for two years, wouldn't see their children, their families for two years. I know, and just
0: chosen, picked at random. And are like, OK, you're moving over here for two years. And I think you see one worker, I think his name is Wong, and his family come over to live with him after the two years.
1: Yes, but the difference in attitude. So yeah. Wong, especially, um, he is a furnace engineer. So he says that he's just so grateful to yeah, the company.
0: they gave him a job when he was 18. And yes. he was trained on the job. And it's the whole thing is it's not just about a culture clash because you do see this massive culture clashes and when the chinese chairperson comes in from the get-go when he's like okay we need to move that fire alarm oh but it legally needs to be at that height in the center of the room or whatever and he's like we need to move it maybe you should not build things you know wrong incorrectly in the first time so we don't have to redo everything but From what we saw in the documentary, it was like him going, that's in the wrong place. That needs to be moved. That cost 35,000 euro. Okay, move it. Did you see this? The slogan over the reception that says marching forward to be world leading glass provider. And there's so much kind of willingness to kind of appreciate what the Chinese guys are trying to do and what they did for the community that it's very hard for them to say. You forgot the word the. (laughs) So it's like marching forward to be the world leading glass provider. Mm
1: -hmm. No, I remember that. And I mean, they're singing songs, uh, you know, to stand still is to fall back. But it's the mindset that I'm really interested in because the American workers work eight hours a day, five days a week. The Chinese workers work a minimum of 12 hours a day, six days a week. And they they had had one day off. Yeah, one day off in a month or something.
0: Because this is the culture that they're so used to. It was like these American guys, they don't make sacrifices and they're very lazy and they should just tell him he has to come in on a Saturday, that's it. So it's like that misunderstanding that that's not the way it's done. And it's not even about a union. There surely must be some kind of you know HR thing there where you can't work so many hours and be expected to operate heavy machinery every day for 12 hours a day for that length of time but
1: that's just it that is not seen as unusual at all yeah Uh, so whether to say one is wrong and one is right I'm not sure actually if I were if I owned the plant I'd want them to work as many hours as possible but also take pride in that work so they're not working 12 hours a day and complaining about it yeah they're working 12 hours a day and saying thank you so much for the work Yeah, (laughs) no, it's it's a different mindset entirely. It it is. And it's so interesting.
0: I think that fundamentally all of this could be avoided if the person, you know, if if the chairman of the company had been properly informed as to what was he he was to expect with this American factory. But I think they just saw an opportunity and came over. And that's not to say that he was wrong, because obviously his intentions were good. And there's a very interesting monologue that he has because he's the only person in the car, but he's actually talking to the interviewer. But that's the way it feels, you know. Where it's like, I don't know, did I destroy the environment? I don't know, did I do the right thing, opening these companies and these factories everywhere? It humanised him for me. Because you could see, kind of, these are people at the end of the day. And it's huge. Like, the culture clash and the labour politics part of it. But they, you don't... I didn't hate him. I, don't, I had no point did I go, oh my God, I hate this man. Health and safety is a huge concern. What's wrong with them? Like, And what does he expect? You know, I felt really... I could
1: see both sides. Well, it's business. It's good business, you know, and it's about the bottom line. I have to ask you. Mm -hmm. So when they tried to unionize or when even the union question cropped in, what did you think of the union avoidance company that the corporation hired to talk to the workers?
0: I thought that was very interesting that there's an entire career... They hired young, they deliberately because this is the thing, you had access to what the Chinese management were thinking. And when I say Chinese management hired all the Americans and Chinese staff, that's what they did as part of this. And so you can see it's very transparent, like the glass. you know? Yeah. But they deliberately hired younger staff that would be more malleable mm-hmm. and more likely to do what they were told. And they sometimes, twice, sometimes three times brought them into a training session with somebody who was there to deliberately dissuade them from joining the union and it just seemed
1: I don't know. I know it was really um, it was very interesting but they would say things like if you join the union they're going to make it impossible for you to speak directly to your supervisor. Yeah. Do you want that really?
0: Yeah yeah and it was like well now you can have a direct link with the company um, but if we bring in the union you're going to be talking to him to talk to the company. And nobody wants that. And then there was a cut to a Chinese worker that was like very sad and like, no, you know, I know. <laughs> and, But see, when you when they went over and they visited China, which was I would think it's very bizarre because I I I, I haven't had exposure to that culture. There was people getting married, there was like kids dancing. They're all looking very cute, you know, that kind of stuff. But when they went over there, I noticed that their workers' union is the Communist Workers' Party and there's no way they're going to go, here, listen, I want a lunch break. You know, and they're knocking down the lunchroom because they don't want, they're dissuading people from taking lunch breaks.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know, it's just a completely different approach. No, to Completely different. And it's fascinating to watch. Initially, I have to say, I didn't particularly like it. I couldn't figure figure out why that was. But on second watch, it is actually remarkable what they've managed to achieve. And so, yeah, it's definitely, it's on Netflix. It's really on Netflix. You can get mm-hmm. it there.
1: But we didn't say one really important thing. What is that? Which is that this is the first acquisition of Barack and Michelle Obama's oh, production yes. company, Higher Ground.
0: Very telling, actually. And, and nicely positioned as well for them to do something in labour politics. Uh, interesting that Barack Obama, a former community developer, would do something around collective action. So I think that uh, that, That's what unionism is, basically. But I just think it's very, very interesting. A very interesting documentary.
1: Mm, Really interesting. And uh, are you ready for my Steve Bannon news?
0: Yes. No.
1: Just came out the other day Mm. that he is producing a five-hour documentary on how the Chinese government operates. Particularly attacking the Chinese president. It's coming out next year. He starts uh, filming quite soon. It's called Emperor Rise of Z. And where is he filming? <laughs> I don't know. Because he ain't
0: filming in China. If he's put no press releases that he's going to do that. Well,
1: he didn't give me his schedule. But the, well, But it's in the news. Get on that, Tracy. I'll get on that now. I'm <laughs> head of Bannon, am I? You're head of merch.
0: <laughs> I am not head of merch.
1: <laughs> um. So anyway, quite interesting. Yeah, no, that, it'll be...
0: It's a five hour long documentary. He, <laughs> no. I don't know if I believe a word that man says. I'm sorry. That's my opinion. <sighs> well, but.
1: it's from him in an interview that he's doing. It's so interesting. Interesting but, is right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I think it's worth a watch for
0: sure. Keep an eye on the music because the music has a lot to do with kind of, I suppose, diffusing what would be otherwise very heated and, and odd conversations and comments that are made Like one particular Chinese worker who's speaking to other Chinese workers who says that, you know, we have to protect these Americans because we're better than than them. You know, so the music is very important in this. And I think it it went a long way. I think the fascinating part for me was not the microphone that they used, but rather how they edited it. It was edited. They didn't always have a Chinese translator. So... They edited it on body language and whether how the person was visually reacting was worth cutting it or not. The editor would see the footage, say, I'm interested in seeing what he's saying here. They translate that. And that's how they kind of got a lot of the insight that they got. They they edited visually and then found out what they were saying afterwards.
1: Oh, that's really good. And there are two um, Chinese filmmakers who came over once a month. Yeah. uh, to help them with translation and I can't pronounce their names. Okay. well, this was directed
0: by Bogner and Reichert. (coughs) I do do apologise if I got that wrong. No, I think you're you're right. I had previously done an Oscar nominated short, I think it was in 2008, called The Last Truck, um, Closure of a GM Plant. And I would recommend that you would watch that as a companion to this documentary.
1: Excellent. And if you like this, you'd like...
0: I would say if you're going to watch this, it would be very interesting for you to watch Honeyland alongside it, which explores kind of the same themes, but on a very different perspective. Um, Honeyland is about a woman who makes her living on her own, but it's kind of interrupted when life changes around her. Honeyland in itself is, is well worth watching. At some point we'll probably go on about it a bit more because it is a fascinating documentary. But I would recommend that you watch it after you watch American Factory as a complete contrast in how the Labour politics work there.
1: I did watch the trailer for it and it looks really interesting. So I'm going to reserve talking about it until I've seen it. All right. Um, If you like this, you should watch Michael Moore's um, Where to Invade Next. It'll really show you the difference between workers in lots of different countries and how much time off they get and free time and lunch breaks and Italy is the, the one that springs to mind yeah. but um that would be a really interesting one to screen in the factory which will never happen um on their lunch break but um also there are two really good NPR podcasts to listen to um for behind the scenes stuff and then I just put down Steve Bannon Brink I just think that one might be a good one yeah to watch, the, brink the Brink would be very interesting yeah
0: Yeah, I mean, it's an exploration of cultures and capitalism. It's a must watch, definitely, for me. Excellent.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Sounds good. So that's it for this week. Tune in next week for another exciting episode (laughs) of Docs That Rock. (laughs) Tune in next week for
0: more rugby. For more rugby. Oh, before Mm. we go. Yes. I'm going to give my prediction for the Oscars. Oh, do. Um, Okay, so just to recap, the five nominees are American Factory, The Edge of Democracy Honeyland, Fursama, and the Cave, and I do believe, having watched all five, that my heart wants Honeyland to win.
1: Yes, I've heard good. I've heard Honeyland is going to win. I've heard Fursama is going to win. I've only seen two. So of the two I've seen, American Factory for me would be the one. I think that's it for this week. So it's goodbye for me. Goodbye. See you.